So we are in week two of a series that we are calling Bless. Bless. B-L-E-S-S. Last week, we started out with this reality that for all of us, if we say we are a Christian, then what our call in life is, is to be someone who makes disciples. We lean into something that the Apostle Paul said, that, hey, we are actually ministers of reconciliation. So the newsflash was, hey, uh, I'm not the only minister here. Uh, Pastor Tim, our youth pastor, is not the only minister here. And Pastor Rachel downstairs is not the only pastor here. And Corey's not the only pastor here. You, my friends, are ministers. We are all in ministry together. If we call ourselves Christian, that means we are in ministry. Ministry of reconciliation, of connecting people who are not connected with God back to their Father God. And that's, guys, that's why we exist. And in order for us to live out that ministry of reconciliation, the first thing that we have to be able to do is begin with prayer. To say, if God is going to use me, and if God is going to use a person like you, to actually reach someone who is far off from Christ, like, like you used to be. If he's going to use someone like me to make that happen, then that has got to be something that we start off with, with prayer. And so I, I encourage you, I said, let's begin with prayer. And I told you, I sent you out, and maybe hopefully some of you did it. Um, somebody t- texted my wife this past week, and they said, hey, I took the pastor's challenge and walked around the neighborhood and prayed for people. And she said, our neighborhood's too big, or our neighborhood's got too many folks in it. Like, it was one of those things where we realized, oh, man, there's a lot of people in here. And that's a good thing to realize, that, man, there are people all around us who need the love of Jesus. Today, we're going to be talking about the L in bless. The L stands for Listen, listen, turn to your neighbor and tell them, listen, listen, (laughs) you better listen today. Um, Yeah, kids just rolled their eyes at you. (laughs) So we're going to talk about listen today. Next week, I'm excited about it. We're going to be talking about eat, eat. I'm so glad that part of Jesus' strategy to make disciples includes eating. We can't miss it. It's all in the Gospels. We're going to talk about that next week. After that, we're going to talk about how we can serve people. And when we serve people, they see the love of Christ in our acts of service. And then last week, which is Easter Sunday, we're going to be talking about sharing our story. And again, I want you not to miss this. We planned it this way. We're ending the B-L-E-S-S, the last S, is on Easter Sunday because we want that to be a time where people are able to encounter the story that changed your story and has the potential to change theirs, the gospel story, the Easter story. And so what I want you to be doing through this whole thing, it has never been about you just gaining a lot of knowledge. This whole thing and this whole process is about you being able to say, who around me where I live, work, and play can come into a relationship with Jesus. And so what we want you to do, whether you're a high schooler with some buddies, whether you're a boss with some employees, whether you're a mom with some kids, wherever you're at on the spectrum, we want you to be thinking about who can I be reaching out to, pouring into, maybe even inviting into an Easter service at MCC, whether it be online or in person? Now hear me on this. Listen, the, the finish line of faith has never been to get somebody in these doors or to get somebody to log in online. The finish line is the waters of baptism. The finish line is a life of discipleship. The finish line is you learning how you can disciple them. But I know, and you know too, that coming and being part of a church service is catalytic. And things change when we gather together around God's Word. That's how I told you. I'm proud of you for being here today. But you know the number one reason why people don't come to gatherings like this? It's not because of, you know, bad Christian witness. It's not because, you know, they hate the church or they have a lot of big questions. It's not any of those reasons. The number one reason that people cite for not coming to church or not having gone to church yet is that no one has invited them. 
And so your friends, the people in your neighborhood, you wonder, why don't they get up and go to church? Why is he going to play? I see, I see him drive out of the neighborhood with golf clubs and he's got his hat on and every Sunday they're just cutting grass. Why don't they ever go to church? I wonder why they don't do that. Most of the time, friends, the people in your neighborhood, the people where you work, the people where you play, they don't go to church because people like me and you haven't invited them yet. And so I think that's one of the ways we, as a body of believers, as people who really hopefully believe the things that we're saying we believe, will begin to do more and more. All right? So today we're going to be talking about listening. All right? This is, where, this is one of the big ones. All right? So you, you uh, introverts in the room, you're like, I love this blessed strategy. All I had to do was start praying and listening. This is easy. This is going well. Next week's going to be hard on you. But you extroverts in the room who are like go-getters and want to do stuff, and you're like, man, I just have to pray, and I just got to listen. When am I going to get to do something? Like, we're getting there. But today we're going to talk about listening. I want to ha- let us have a little bit of an exercise in listening. All right? Exercise in listening. We're going to do this. We're going to have some fun with this. How many of you ever played the game Mad Gab? All right? Some people. All right? So Mad Gab is this game, and the tagline for the game is it's not about what you hear, or it's not about what you say, it's about what you hear. And really, that's you know, a big principle in being able to hear people and understand what's going on. So we're going to play this. What's going to happen is there's going to be kind of a phrase that's going to be kind of up on the screen. You're going to try to guess what that is. It's a normal phrase, but it's kind of broken down in different syllables. And so you'll get the hang of it. Let's try it out. All right, here's what it says. See if you can guess what actual phrase this is. Arrow loved, oil it issue. Arrow loved... Oil it issue. Anybody in here got it? Anybody online? Put it in those comments real quick. Arrow loved oil it issue. A roll of toilet tissue. <laughs> no, you got it. See, that's how this works. A roll of toilet tissue. Which, by the way, I told the first server this. I'll tell you guys too. Congratulations. Do you remember this time last year? We were in the middle of the great toilet paper shortage of 2020. <laughs> you made it. Way to go, team. Next one. Let's see what we got here. Abe who beat rap. Abe who beat rap. Abe who beat rap. A booby trap. All right. You, if these have been too hard for you so far, you'll probably get this one. This one's not quite as difficult. Disguise, they'll him it. Somebody said it over here. The sky's the limit. Good job, good job. The sky's the limit. Now we're getting the hang of it. All right, let's do this last one. Lawns, den, translay, sujin. Lost in translation. Good job, guys. Lost in translation. Which, speaking of lost in translation, that's oftentimes one of the biggest hurdles for people to get over to actually say the thing that they need to say so that they can be heard. My great fear in, in being a, a public speaker or being a preacher, pastor type is not in the bigness of the room and the people in the crowd. It's that what I say... And what my heart intends to say and communicate about who Jesus is will actually not be heard and received from you the way I want it to be. That's one of the biggest hurdles of being a pastor. And you've experienced those hurdles too. Where you wonder, am I being heard? So that's a big question for us. We're going to kind of start off on today is, are you being heard for you in your life, where you're at right now? Like if you had to to put it on a scale of one to ten on how heard are you being, where would you put yourself? You know, and think about the closest relationships you have, whether it's husband, whether it's wife, whether it's people at work, whether it's your kids, like zero. Um, How are you being heard? See, we want to be heard, right? When we're heard by people, it makes us feel like we matter to that person. And so much damage in relationships happen because we don't feel heard. So how are you being heard? 
Next question I'd ask, and you can rate yourself on this one too, is are you listening? And how are you doing at listening? If you had to put yourself on this on a one to ten, like how are you listening? Are you being able to hear maybe what God's telling you? Are you being able to hear kind of what's going on around you? Are you being able to hear through uh, an iPhone screen what your kids are saying or or what's happening there? Are you being able to, to hear what's happening? Are you listening? There's an author named David Oxberger, and he wrote this book called Caring Enough to Hear and Be Heard. He said a profound statement that's kind of shifted the way I think about being able to engage with people and hear what they're saying. He said this, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. Read that one more time. Being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. Now you felt that. You know that, that grandma or that mom or maybe that teacher when you were younger, that coach that you had or that friend that you had that you don't talk to quite as much, but they were that person who you knew if you called them, if you talked to them, if you reached out to them, they were going to listen to what you had to say. And that's a person that you felt drawn to and you felt drawn to that person, not just because they were a great listener, but because you, as the person who was trying to be heard, interpreted their listening as their love. And guys, that's what's kind of on the line here when it comes to listening. For us, if we want to show the people around us the love of Christ, it starts with us listening to them. I was asking myself this week, like, even as a pastor, why don't I share my faith more? Why don't I invite more people to be a part of what great, amazing things I've experienced by being a part of a body of Christ? Why why don't I do that more? And I, I listed out a lot of those excuses. But honestly, and maybe you can be this brutally honest with yourself, too. None of those excuses are really the real excuse. The real excuse is the reason I don't share my faith more often. I just don't love people the way that I should love them. See, because if I loved them like I said I did, I would do things that would blow those excuses out of the water. Because you, you guys have been in love. You remember what it was like. And I'm not talking about the romantic love. I'm not saying like I have to be romantically in love with somebody to share the love of Christ with them. But you know what love does, right? Like you remember when you were in high school and we would talk on like the house phone. And, you, and, and for me, kids like my age, like we had a house phone that had a battery on that bad boy. You might remember house phones with batteries and like your, your, your other phone has batteries, but you just talk until it died, right? Some of you older people in the room, you had the cord on, so you just sitting in the kitchen, everybody and their mama listening to the conversation like, listen, girl, we can't talk about like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love you. I love you. I love you. Bye. Like we had those things. Some of you, you maybe were in the military and you got a weekend off and you, and you would drive five hours to go spend five to ten hours with that person you loved. See, love makes you do things that blow your excuses out of the water. And I think when it comes down to why do we not share our faith more, it's two things. It's one, we don't understand how greatly we are loved by Jesus. But then two, we don't really love others. And so today I, I want to walk you through a story where we see Jesus out of the love that he has for people, begin to listen to them, to meet them where they are. And this story is going to make profound this truth that we see actually written about by Jesus' brother, a guy named James. If you got a Bible, you can go there. It's James chapter 119. There's a verse I want to show you before we dive into a story from Jesus' life. James said this about listening. He said, my dear brothers and sisters, which that's everybody. Everybody, listen up. 
Take note of this. That's his way of saying, listen, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And I don't know about you, but I am so excited that we as a, as a church and as a congregation, we have this verse perfectly. We nail this one, don't we? We got this down. The only problem is we as a church and we as a society, really, we have this verse perfectly nailed in reverse. We are, what does it say? We are quick to become angry, quick to speak, and slow to listen. We have this verse down pat backwards. And guys, what I want to talk to you about today is how amazing it would be and what amazing things could happen if we could switch how we've nailed this verse and actually get it how it's written. That we would be people who take a cue from our anatomy and realize I have two ears and one mouth. I probably need to listen twice as much as I speak. And if I did that, I'd probably be a whole lot less angry. There'd be less anger in the world. Man, everybody's so angry. I don't know, does it frustrate anybody else? It's like everything in life, like people are looking for things to get angry about, to be upset about. It's, it's frustrating. It's, it's, it, it's like, can we not just like be happy about something? Why do we have to dig, find, unearth? I need something more to be angry. Like, it's almost like that's what is fuel. It's like the coffee of some people's life is what can I be angry about today? That's what fuels me. That's tough, man. But even with those people, because we can all be those people sometimes, the Bible makes it really clear. Let's listen first. Let's speak slowly. And let's be slow to come angry. There's a story in the Gospel of Mark. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52 is, is where the story is. <clears throat> While you're turning there to Mark chapter 10, verse 46 will be where we start. Jesus was an amazing listener. And you probably would have guessed that. He's kind of amazing. Everything he is Jesus after all. But I want you to see the statistics on his listening habits. In the Gospel of Mark alone, not even counting Luke, John, and Matthew. In the Gospel of Mark alone, Jesus had 67 unique conversations. Of those 67 unique conversations that Jesus had, in 50 of them, he asked questions. So out of 67 conversations, Jesus asked 50 questions. Jesus is someone who sought to be understood, but before he sought to be understood, he sought to understand. That's one of the best practices of his life that we can put into ours. So the story, Mark chapter 10, verse 46, Jesus is traveling with not just his 12 disciples, but really this kind of ragtag group of a lot of people who he had kind of gained steam with, and they're following after him, and they're coming around with him, and they're following after what he's doing. They're saying, like, man, what's he going to do next? So this group of people, they are uh, just exiting Jerusalem. They're, they're, they're getting ready to head into a place where there's even more people. It says, then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man. Pause right there. Blind man, his name's Bartimaeus. What you have to know about people who were um, crippled, who were blind, who had disabilities, anybody in that day and age, if you had any of those types of infirmities or, or any sort of medical condition, you were looked at as someone who was not just born that way. You were looked at as someone who was that way because of sin in your family or sin that you had committed. And so when they see a blind man in their culture, they're not thinking, oh, that's just a guy who was unfortunately born blind or had an accident and now is blind. They look at that person and go, that's someone who is accursed by God. And that's how he felt. And we're going to see in the story, that's how he was treated. So it was a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting along the roadside begging because that's all people would let him do. And when he heard 
that it was Jesus of Nazareth. So he, again, eyes don't work, ears do. He hears this Jesus of Nazareth. He began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he's shouting this over and over again, which I don't want to do because it'd be annoying. And it was annoying when it was happening. I mean, imagine being there. There's a big crowd of people. You ever been in a restaurant? You know, like one of the ones that we just, I love the restaurant. It's my favorite place to get pizza at in McDonough, but it's Crust and Craft and a great place. Uh, but it's so loud in there. Music's already loud. People talk loud. But you know what's even worse when you're in a loud environment like that? When somebody is the loud talker in the group, that, or they're the loud laugher, and you're like, ah! And it's, you just want to like, you just want to take your children and leave because it's like, this is too much. This is this guy in that story. The person that you want to throw your fork at. That's this guy. And he's screaming out because he's heard Jesus. Now, again, word has gotten out. So before even Jesus is walking through his town, he knows that there's this man named Jesus who is capable of healing people just like him. And so he's longing, maybe even praying that somebody, that Jesus would find a way into his town, would walk past the place where he's begging. And he has heard that that day has come. So he is not letting it off easy. He's screaming at the top of his lungs, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48, many rebuked him, told him, to be quiet. Many rebuked him, told him to be quiet. Jesus is too busy. Jesus, oh no, no, hush up. Jesus has got bigger things to do than heal you, you blind beggar named Bart. Shh, tell him to be quiet. And some of you, that's been you. I've had people just tell you to be quiet. Nobody needs to know that. Hush. You don't got to tell anybody about it. See, here's, here's a really unfortunate truth that I think causes a lot of people to act and respond in really negative ways. See, when people feel unheard, they feel unknown. It's all back to an identity thing. When somebody feels unheard, they also they don't just feel like, oh, you didn't hear me. They also feel unknown. They also feel unloved. So one of the worst things you can say to your kids is shut up. Because feeling unheard to them, a little kid emotion, equates to unlove. So Jesus comes in, flips the script. The guy, he doesn't care that anybody is kind of try to tell him to be quiet. He's like, I'm getting my healing. Uh, he shouts louder all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 49, two incredibly profound words in our scripture today. Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. Jesus, who had an agenda. Jesus, who had somewhere to be. Jesus, who was on somewhat of a schedule. Jesus stopped. You can learn some things about our Jesus learn some things about how to love and care for other people. Jesus stopped. See, what happens here is even though Jesus was not necessarily looking for someone to heal that day, Jesus stopped. Jesus took the interruption. How many of you have things happen in your day-to-day life that are just interruptions? We have a God who calls us to live like him as Christians, who says, I gladly take interruptions. And he gladly takes interruptions. I believe he encourages us to do so also Because Jesus understood something that's really hard for us go-getters to get. It's that people are the destination. Not that neighborhood. Not that salary range. Not that 
whatever is your blank that you're trying to get to. Well, if I could just get to blank, if I could just get graduated, if I could just get a job, if I could just get in this house, if I could just get in this neighborhood, if I could just get that person neighbor. See, Jesus said, no, 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 no. This life is all about people. This life is all about relationships. It's not about you getting to something. People are the destination. And so if there's an interruption, well, I had a flight to catch. But at the end of the day, whether or not I made that flight or not, it's not going to matter 100 years from now. But if I don't stop and share my faith with this person who's right here beside me, they will spend an eternity, and their eternity could be different. But man, we're very hesitant to stop. But I want you to know, we had a Jesus who stopped, who paid attention. And that's step one on listening, is you have to actually stop. Yeah, like, pause. And so, here's, let's try it. I'm going to stop talking. See what you hear. If you're watching online, you probably heard more things in your house, a refrigerator humming or somebody vacuuming upstairs or something. If you're in this room, you may have heard the fans up here. But here's what I want you to understand. All those things that you heard when I stopped talking, they were making noise before I stopped talking. You just weren't quiet enough to hear them, or I wasn't quiet enough to hear them. So what we see here in the story is if we're going to be able to actually hear what's going on in the lives of people around us, we have to stop. We have to maybe put our phone in our pocket while we're in the line somewhere. I know that's crazy. And I know everybody else is doing it. And you almost feel like a weirdo. Like if you go into the line somewhere and everybody's there and they're just, boom, just flopping it out of the pocket. And you're the weirdo who's standing there like you're meditating or something. Just. And I, I know you would feel intrusive to tap somebody on the shoulder and go, how's your day going? Or to hold a door for somebody. But again, maybe we have to stop. And maybe the stop is we stop scrolling to listen. That's the thing about social media. It gives us a lot of stuff to see, but not a lot of stuff to hear. But I think hearing is where healing happens, and that's what we see in this story. Keep going. Last half of verse 49. Jesus stopped, and he called him. And so the, uh, Jesus stopped and said, call him. So he's saying, bring this guy in. So they called the blind man. Cheer up. On your feet. He's calling you. Which, again, that's, that's exactly what he wanted to happen. I believe he's pumped. I, again, <laughs> anybody watch America's Funniest Home Videos? Like, I like to feel like I, I'd love to see this blind person just get up and take off running because, you know, he ran into some stuff. Um, I, I just, I know I have a weird sense of humor, but like, again, don't just read your Bible. See your Bible. Feel your Bible. Like, I, I mean, imagine. Look, but seriously, he doesn't care. When you know you're, getting, you're heading towards healing, you don't care who you bump into. You're not, oh, I'm going to tiptoe and I'm going to... No, like Jesus is over there. That's where my healing happens. My eyes are closed. I can't see where I'm going, but I'm going. And that's this man. And I love what happens next. He runs. He gets to Jesus. He says he throws his cloak aside. He jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. Verse 51. I love this. What do you want me to do for you? Now question. Did Jesus know this guy was blind? Yeah, he did. He totally knew he was blind. But he still asked them this question. This is what I want us to understand. So often, we, we get this picture of Jesus just going and just doing and just healing. And I think we try to do the same thing. And in our efforts to do that, we, we try to meet people's needs how we think their need needs to be met. But what I think we can learn about the character of Jesus is he doesn't just assume that he knows what this guy needs. And so he asked him. He, he gets on whatever his level was, 
and says, what do you want me to do for you? And that question right there says something very profound about Jesus' character. He wanted people to know when they were in his presence, they were in the presence of someone who is going to listen to them. And maybe you don't get that yet. When you, hear me on this. When you come into the presence of Jesus, you are not first and foremost in the presence of someone who sees all of your sin, wants to, you know, okay, you better tell me you're sorry 15 times, list out your sins, tell me all those things, and then we can talk about the things that you need. No, when you come into Jesus' presence, you've got to first and foremost realize that you're coming into the presence of someone who is absolutely listening to you, who has your undivided attention, who hears every word you're saying, and not just the words you're saying, but the heart's feeling and emotions behind those words. And even further than that, if you're a Christian, then you have this thing that is the Holy Spirit, that even though you don't know what to say, that Holy Spirit inside of you is interpreting what actually needs to be said to Jesus. And Jesus is going, okay, they said that. Holy Spirit, what does that mean? And then it's all making sense. So Jesus goes, hey, what can I do for you? What do you want me to do? And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Verse 52. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now, you read that and it says he got his sight. Jesus healed him up. It says immediately he started following Jesus. He followed Jesus around the road. Now, what I want you to understand here is this man did not follow Jesus because he was the one who healed him. I believe this man is also following Jesus, maybe even furthermore than being the guy who healed him. He's following Jesus because he is the one who heard him. And then he's the one who healed them. Because in Jesus' listening, he understood that this is no ordinary Savior. This is not just a miracle worker who passes through town. This is someone who takes the time to know the need and then deeply and perfectly meets it. And guys, if we want to be like Jesus, it's going to take, we don't just assume what the people who live in that side of town need. It's going to mean we don't just assume that we know what that person who's lost at our work and lost on our team and who's our buddy who we play Xbox with, that they, you know, then I, I can tell by the words they say that they're probably a little bit further off from a relationship with Jesus. He doesn't want us to just assume that we can just go and meet their need, however. He wants us to ask questions, to hear them out. And that's where this L in the blessed strategy really comes into play. So what I want to walk you through in the rest of the time we have is the four H's of hearing. Four H's of hearing and listening. First one is this. Their history. And so at the end of the day, if you're going to listen to people, guys, it goes without saying, you're going to have to ask them questions and hear how they respond. This may be your kids. Because again, parents in the room, you're discipling your kids. That's like your first and primary discipler. That's you to your kids. Not Rachel, not our children's ministry servers. That's you. Hearing. Four H's of hearing. The first one is this. We've got to hear their history. So simply, you know, I've already asked this question a few times already today. Maybe you have as well if you've met somebody new today. Tell me your story. Where did you grow up? Are you from around here? What brought you in? What brought you here? Hear their story. There's a, a single mom who's a coach on the baseball team that I, I'm the head coach of, and she's one of my assistant coaches, and her son is also on the team. And normally, um, again, it's just I'm not trying to be sexist or gender role here specific. I'm just calling it like I've seen it. More often than not, uh, baseball moms are, are the ones who are scrubbing red Georgia clay out of pants and bringing tangerines and Capri Suns to practice, not out on the field, not like, uh, I mean, she is, a, in my opinion, a world-class coach. And so I'm, I, I just asked her the other day, I was like, 
how did this happen? Like, how did you get here? I learned a really cool story about how she had some relationships with some professional baseball players and they brought her in because they're trying to revive baseball in inner cities and all this other type of stuff. And I would have never known that if I said, hey, tell me your history. And so that's a question that we can ask. Well, you're bumping into somebody in the neighborhood. You're bumping into other people. What is the history behind it? Next one is the heart. The four H's of listening is you got to listen to their heart. This is where you understand the things that matter to them. One of the things that I believe matters to all of us is our personal space. And uh, it's probably mattered more in this season than ever, right? And do you know that 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 heart issue of people, you know, that, that matter is actually what led to the stethoscope being invented? So the stethoscope, before it was invented, if a doctor wanted to hear your heart, he had just take his ear and shove it up against your chest. And imagine, you know, if you're a, a male doctor and you, you want to listen to the heart of a, a female who's not your wife, that is kind of, you know, that's, that's not a position you want another guy in. You know, if you're, you're, you're taking your wife to the doctor, like, that's my spot. Um, <laughs> get out of there. That's just, and again, if you're, if, 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 like, again, it just puts us in an uncomfortable position, regardless of whose side you're on, whether you're the doctor, whether you're the woman, whoever. And so this doctor, realizing that and understanding that, developed and invented the stethoscope so that I can place something here and be able to hear your heart. And I believe that's part of our realization here is we've got to understand where people's hearts are at. And we've got to understand our role in safely reaching in and asking the questions and listening to the questions that reveal that person's heart to us and helping them understand the things that matter. So here, this is saying, hey, you know, what's, what's one of your favorite places to eat in Henry County? What, what do you love to eat? What's your favorite sports team? Again, you know, guys, that's an easy, easy end right there. Next H is habits. Asking people, what are they into? You know, is it crafting, quilting, scrapbooking, cutting grass, watching Fox News? What are your, what are your, what are you into? What are your habits? The last one is hurts. And this one we've got to handle with care. But it's being able to figure out, okay, how are you handling, and this is the way this question kind of works from the hurt side of things, is how are you handling blank? you got a friend who's a, maybe a stay-at-home mom or a single mom or a working mom. She's trying to do her best to be able to keep however many kids she's had on virtual learning right now and doing whatever the, all the chaos that is public school right now. Instead of, you know, just shooting the breeze, talking about the weather and complaining about Paula and say, hey, how has virtual learning been for you? Has that been hard? How are you handling that? Help me understand the stress that you've been going through. Or you know somebody who's got other things going on. And it's really easy just to kind of like, we all know it, but like we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to ask questions about it. Man, when I read scripture, I don't see Jesus avoiding people's hurts. When he goes to the Samaritan woman at the well and he's doing that, like he shows up and he asks for some water and he hears her story. He begins to talk to her. But Jesus is, is, is asking question after question after question after question that leads eventually to her saying, yeah, I've had about five husbands. And, and actually, um, I have this wound in my heart because I've made relationships with men and sex an idol in my life. And so it's made it really hard for me to connect to God. And Jesus asked question after question after question after question after question to get her to that place. And guys, that's kind of our story as well. We've got to be willing to go into the hurt, to ask some of those things, 
to go there. There's a Bible verse I want to show you, and I want it to become something that leads you in this this coming week. Psalm 1017. It's a cry from our own heart. Uh, there's a guy named David who is King David. He's a guy who beat Goliath in a big showdown. He's a king, and he wrote these words to God. And this is kind of us finding our insight into David's prayer journal. And this is what he said in talking to God. He said, You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. The afflicted is those who are, who are struck down, those who are hurting, those who are in pain, those who have something that was outside of them that's now coming against them. That's the afflicted. He says, You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. He's telling God what he knows God does. He says, you encourage them and you listen to their cry. Now, friends, I don't think it is a stretch. I don't think it's a heresy to equate what God does in this passage with what God is calling you to do in this present day time. Now, no, you are not God and you are not the Holy Spirit and you are not Jesus. But the Trinity in God is in Jesus, in the Holy Spirit, is inside of you. And again, you've got to understand your identity and who you are in Christ. And so if that actually is a case, then what that means is that right there in that verse, Psalm 1017, can we throw it back up there real quick? Where it says, you, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted, you encourage them, and you listen to their cry. I don't think Jesus is frustrated with me. If I understand that Jesus lives and is alive in me, then I believe this verse can take it and apply to our lives and say, Trent, you, Trent, Hear the desires of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. Whatever your name is, throw it in there. You, Bob, hear the cries of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. Because listen, if Jesus is in you, that's what he's calling you to do. To listen to the cries of the afflicted, to encourage them, and to listen to their cry. Friends, when I've gone through the biggest pain in my life, Those are those moments where turning to anything else for me as a Jesus follower, it made no sense to turn to anything but him. And you've experienced this in your life. I mean, I talk to to husbands at funerals of their wives and and wives at funerals of their husbands and and people going through the loss of a child or um, uh, an ability to get pregnant. And, And we talk in all these things and they oftentimes there's always something that comes out in those conversations. And it's something like this, and usually I'm not the one who says it. Usually the person going through the grief or the pain or the loss will say it, and they'll go, I don't know how people who don't have Jesus go through what I'm going through. And friends, if Jesus is the one that we go to, when we're hurting, when we're broken, when we are addicted, when we are afflicted. If Jesus is a person that we go to, then who do the people who don't have Jesus go to? And see, that's the thing is I think we, we get in our funerals or we get in our loss and we get in those things and we just go, man, I, don't, I wonder, I'm just so thankful I got Jesus. And, and, and maybe it, we can have this conversation outside of the context of a funeral and realize, wait, but where do they go? Who do they turn to? And if we're honest, we actually know the answer to those. We see people continually to be addicted. They go through struggles and they go to the bottle or they go to a pill or they go to a substance. We see people feeling a lack of intimacy in a marriage or a relationship or whatever and and running headlong into pornography. We see people who who never heard from a father, I love you and you you are enough and you do have what it takes. And so they are killing themselves at work to get some guy's approval, to get a name on the door. 
because they're trying to heal the pain that a father caused them. We see people who are not just working themselves to death, they're eating themselves to death because they can't find the comfort that only comes through Christ. See, people, guys, we, you know this. You have these friends in your life. You have these friends on your team. You have them all around you who are going to all sorts of other things, seeking to be the help. All the while, we know where to go. And what I'm encouraging you to do is listen to Jesus enough and listen to them enough to figure out how to get them to him. That's my call in your life. We're getting ready to sing this song that echoes this truth that I think you felt in your heart that we're praying that the lost around us would feel is that you can have all this world. You can have the alcohol that I thought would numb the pain. You can have the pornography that I, that I thought would the, the help that uh, addiction and the help that uh, lack of intimacy. You can have the workaholism. You can have all of these things. Just, just give me Jesus. He's the only thing that can truly satisfy. And I pray that you feel that satisfaction and out of the overwhelming overflow of that satisfaction that you feel, we would be people who go out and listen to how we can take that and make it something that other people experience as well. Let's pray together and sing together. Jesus, we love you. Draw us away from the things that have satisfied us and let it be only you that satisfies. Fill us with your grace, your love, and your mercy so that there is no other thing that we are more ready to share than your love. Jesus, let us know that you listen to us. Sinners like us are heard by a Savior like you. Jesus, let that never cease to blow our minds. And let us go and listen and learn how we can serve, love, and care for those around us. In your name, amen.